This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner and Momentum Partners, and welcome to our Digital Leadership Series. In this series of conversations, we're highlighting some of the best and brightest minds and practitioners in the business as we focus on their journeys into digital transformation, what they learned, what their successes were, what the challenges were, along with lessons that are relevant for you today. We hope you enjoy our explorations and get value from it. And always, we look for your feedback and suggestions. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another Momenta podcast. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta, and our guest today is Tomer Sharon, who is co-founder and CEO of Dremio, uh, which is a uh, new new firm, new company that's uh, make, doing a lot of really interesting work at the uh, at the intersection of uh, cloud technology and data. And we're going to dive into what they're doing and a little bit of the uh, the context around their 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 technology and their solutions and and uh, uh, and then and then and open things up a bit. So, Tomer, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Great. So, first of all, uh, could you provide a bit of context about uh, about yourself and, and and your background and you know what has led you to your your current role as the uh, as the CEO of Dremio and co-founder, of course. Sure. I, I mean, I could I could go a long way back, but maybe we can start um, in 2009 is when I joined a company in the big data space called MapR. It was one of the uh, one of the Hadoop vendors. At the time, we were just uh, four people when I joined, and these were the days when um, everybody was watching kind of what Google had done internally. And uh, it seemed like maybe that would be applicable to the enterprise, but it was a time when really no company out there was using this this thing called Hadoop. Um, and so that's when I joined the company, and uh, um, with the goal of really changing how companies can interact with data. Great. So what are what were tell us a bit about the uh, really the context that that led you to to, to found Dremio. Sure. So, um, going back to that, uh, uh, you know, that that time around that time frame, the the thinking was, you know, if we could uh, uh, create a single platform where companies could put all their data into one place, we we now call that a data lake. Um, then magic would happen. Anybody could access that data. Anybody anybody could do anything with that. Um, and the goal was always to create this, uh, what we call data as a service, right? If you think about the last 20 years, um, starting with, say, Salesforce uh, introducing software as a service, and then Amazon introducing infrastructure as a service in 2006, and, and Microsoft shortly after, um, you know, even, even Uber and, and Lyft now providing transportation as a service, right? Everything is becoming kind of this as a service model, very on demand. Um, Yet when it comes to data, it's an engineering project every single time. So if I'm an analyst or somebody else who wants to consume data for for my uh, in order to do my job, I'm really dependent today on an IT team or on a data engineering team in order to do anything. And of course, the data engineers, uh, they don't like doing that kind of reactive work and doing these one-off uh, projects every time an analyst wants to do something. Um, and so when... Uh, when I was at MapR in those early days, it seemed like, well, if we could create that single platform, that data lake that all data could be dumped into, that would solve that problem. 
and that would make it so that companies could become data-driven. The reality was that that did not quite uh, materialize that way. Um, and what happened is that, uh, uh, you know, first of all, we quickly realized that companies couldn't really realistically get all their data into one place. So as much as they tried, there were still a lot of data sources out there within the organization, whether it's Oracle databases, SQL Server databases, NoSQL databases, et cetera, um, that still had a lot of live and, and valuable data that needed to be analyzed in addition to what had been loaded into the data lake. Um, the second problem was that the performance on top of these data lakes was was just not there. Um, it was way too slow and inefficient for, say, a BI user, somebody using Tableau or, or Power BI from Microsoft to be able to explore and analyze that data. So that didn't really work out. Um, and then the third problem was that um, it was it was really designed for engineers. So it was, it was just too hard for the, the typical user to take advantage of these data lakes. Um, and companies ended up building these really complex stacks and um, uh, you know, data infrastructure, which involved exporting data from the data lake into these data warehouses and data marts, uh, maybe the last 30 days or some aggregate level data. Then that wasn't even fast enough, so they would export that data into, into cubes or into BI extracts or aggregation tables. Um, and then finally, maybe a BI user could actually interact with a little piece of data at decent speed, uh, but that complexity really uh, eliminated the chance to have kind of a self-service uh, experience. Mm. And, and so that was the reason for starting Dremio. We thought, you know what, the goal of having data as a service, uh, that's kind of the holy grail of analytics. And I believe that the company that solves that will be a uh, you know many tens of billions of dollars uh, in opportunity there. Um, but uh, you know the approach of, of physically moving all the data into uh, one of these object stores or, or any kind of system uh, was just not realistic. And so we uh, we set about to solve that in, uh, in in a much more modern way and kind of taking into account all the lessons that we had learned. Yeah, before, actually, before we jump into uh, you know, what you're doing specifically at Dremio, could you could you talk about how the uh, you know the the transition away from traditional data warehousing in and the uh, and the promise of the concept of the data lake you know had really opened up a lot of uh, you know I would say you know ex experimental approaches to to analytics that in a sense created a lot more in, inherent problems and I and and in you know, in this regard, I think you alluded to it. You, in with a traditional data warehouse, right? Or, or if you're if you're doing OLAP, you, you would have uh, an ETL process where you would scrub the data, and of course, by the time it it gets loaded into the into the data warehouse, you know, there was an enormous amount of pre prep that was involved creating the data models and and structures so that they could be analyzed appropriately, and of course, mapped with the appropriate uh, metadata. Um, so this this enormous amount of pre-prep, right? In that kind of the, and I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, the the initial days of, of the business intelligence uh, companies like, you know, Business Objects and Cognos and, and Hyper, you know, Hyperion S-Base, when this concept of a, of a data lake really emerged with Hadoop, and I think this was, you know, this was right around 2009, there was an enormous amount of promise that, hey, you know, you now you don't have to be constricted by, you know, the storage is cheap. You don't have to be constricted by uh, these these rigid, 
uh, you know, hierarchical or uh, data structures. Um, you know, now you have all this freedom to to store whatever you want. But that created, you know, as you alluded, it created a whole host of problems after the fact that uh, that made it very difficult to to get to the get to the insights. Could you talk about, you know, what you had learned in in the you know in the process of being there, really at that you know at that early stages of of the uh, really of the of, of the uh, of, of the Hadoop wave. Yeah, that's that's an interesting uh, point. You know, the data warehouses had been along for uh, around for a long time, and what uh, really was the limiting factor was the lack of agility there, right? And you know, they were designed, like you you said, with the assumption that you would have, you know, many many weeks, if not months, to kind of get the data ready for analysis, build all the models. Um, but at the rate at which you know businesses are moving now and competing and and kind of uh, digital transformation, you know, being the the norm. Um, that lack of agility just wasn't uh, wasn't good enough, and often uh, on top of that, we now are living in a world where more and more people uh, are comfortable and are interested in using data to to do their job. Right? These are kind of the the millions of business analysts uh, um, that we have now. Right? Everybody now learns in school. They, they you know, you, you go to college, you go to even high school, you're learning how to write Python code or how to use R and, and do those those kinds of things, how to write SQL queries. And that didn't be didn't used to be the case 20 years ago. Um, and so uh, in order for all these users to be able to take advantage of data, it can't be something that has to be prepared with so much expertise and with so much uh, effort involved. It has to be much more agile and much more self-service. Um, and that was kind of the premise of, uh, the the data lake, right? It was uh, the storage would be really cheap and scalable, and so you could have all your data accessible. It wouldn't be limited just to uh, something that's you know that that people had time to prepare and organize in advance, um, and then it'd be very open, so you could use different types of processing capabilities on top of that. Um, but I think one of the things that maybe we didn't quite think about and appreciate back then was that um, getting the data into a place isn't isn't the the end game, right? It, it has to be fast enough. Um, so even if you were able to get all the data into one place, um, if the ability to query that data uh, is not fast enough, if every time you drag the mouse in your BI tool that takes you uh, 15 minutes or an hour to come back, um, then you can't really explore the data and you can't really analyze it on your own. And you're kind of back to, I'm gonna write a, uh, run a nightly uh, batch report, which is not, not what we want anymore. Um, and so those are the kinds of challenges that we ran into on top of just how difficult the the kind of the whole Hadoop uh, platforms were. And so we we ended up in, in at the time, our competitors, uh, now at Dremio, these are our partners, but we ended up having to sell a lot of professional services and, and really help companies um, that didn't have big engineering teams uh, help them be successful. Um, and so that was kind of an inhibitor to, to the... Yeah success yeah yeah and well and that's that's very typical of of uh you know any any sort of category of software in the in the early stages of development but um would love to dive into the your product and understand a little bit about uh you know the platform that you're developing sure um so so basically what we're doing at dremio um if you look at those those that you know that uh, that dream or that that vision of having uh, data uh, as a service or analytics as a service. Um, that's really what we're we're after here at Dremio. That's what we're trying to provide. And so, if you think about um, uh, the challenges that people face with kind of Data Lake 1.0, those are the problems that we're solving. So, Dremio 
um, is really a uh, uh, really data data lake analytics uh, built for the cloud. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, we're a platform that you can connect uh, to your object store, things like S3 and ADLS, as well as HDFS. Um, but you can also connect it to other sources of data that you might have. So things like SQL Server and Oracle and MongoDB and Elasticsearch. Um, you can connect to multiple data lakes. You can uh, connect to data lakes and data warehouses. And so it really kind of lets you span uh, a broader broader range of data. And that's kind of the first uh, the first thing that makes uh, data lake analytics for the cloud um, different. I say the second thing is just the uh, uh, the element of performance. So we've developed a lot of really unique technology that makes it possible to run a query directly on your data where it lives now and to achieve a sub-second response time. So you can have that interactive experience with your data, um, which may be many terabytes uh, in a single data set and still have a very fast response time, which you couldn't achieve really with you know, just running like a SQL engine on a data lake. Um, and then the third thing is we provide uh, self-service semantic layer. It, it kind of looks uh, visually like Google Docs for your data, where users can interact with data sets and curate new virtual data sets and share them with their colleagues and kind of build on top of each other. And IT can use this uh, semantic layer to provide data governance and masking and security. So really makes the, the platform a, a much more agile experience. So you're not having to create lots and lots of copies of data um, in order to provide performance or to prepare data. Uh, and then we do. Go ahead. Oh, oh yeah. No, I was I was just going to ask you how you um, how typically a customer would get started with the with with the platform, but uh, didn't want to get ahead of myself. But I was <laughs> I was you know as you as you you discussed the you know the different components of the platform. There it sounds like there's a there's a there's a discovery process, but uh, interested in diving a little bit deeper in in how you you know how you how you get to your uh, your results. Sure. Yeah. Let me explain that. So uh, the, the only thing I was going to add to that is is that we're big believers in in not having vendor lock in. You know, I think a lot of people were burned by that in the uh, you know in the days of the 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 data warehouses. Right. They got locked into a data warehouse. Um, all the, ex the 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 custom extensions of that data warehouse and the data being stored in a proprietary format, which made it really hard then to get off of that system. And uh, we see that both on-premise data warehouses, cloud data warehouses, basically they suffer from that same problem. So our belief is that the data should be stored in an open format, um, something that is open source, things like Parquet, ORC, um, et cetera. And it should be able to run both uh, on any cloud as well as on-premise and entirely in uh, in the company's uh, cloud account. So their AWS account or their Azure account, or if it's on-prem, then on their Hadoop cluster or uh, in Kubernetes. Um, but in terms of uh, to your question about how we do this and, and what the kind of what the components are, uh, there are two main components uh, outside of kind of the, the the user interface and the experience. One is a query and acceleration engine. So this is the ability to run a SQL query and get an interactive response time, no matter how big the data is, and that's a combination of a really fast performance leveraging Apache Arrow, which is a, an open source project we created. Um, and then something we call data reflections, which allow us to uh, really accelerate the orders of magnitude, the, the speed at which a query comes back. And then the second thing is that uh, what we call a governed self-service semantic layer. So that's that layer that allows users, uh, both the uh, both the data engineering teams, as well as the, uh, the data consumers to create virtual data sets and to collaborate uh, through that semantic layer. So those are kind of the two main main components of the system. 
Yeah, that sounds pretty, uh, really pretty straightforward when you when you're thinking about getting to the, uh, uh, you know, getting to insights on a, um, you know, on a heterogeneous set of uh, set of data. What you know, what are some of the use cases that uh, um, that you're finding some of your your customers and initial users are are uh, are using your technology for? Sure, you know, I think by. Uh by and large, a very common use case for us is really to uh, make the cloud data lake work and make it uh, consumption friendly. So, uh, you know, today, most companies, when they think about the cloud, they're putting data on S3 and they're putting data on ADLS in Azure, um, but then they don't really have a good enough way to analyze the data where it is. And so they end up having to load that data into like a data warehouse or into these data marts and and, and to create BI extracts and cubes and all these you know copies and transformations and movement of data just so they can get fast performance on on data in these systems. And so that's a very common use case for us. And and then most of these companies also have other sources, maybe relational databases, for example, where they have data. Um, and so I can give you an example of this. Um, one of the companies that uses Dremio extensively, um, and they've talked about this at uh, the a recent O'Reilly conference is that Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines. And they, uh, they've basically built um, a data lake on Azure and, and they use Dremio to, to really power that, uh, to power that data lake. And they've brought in data from um, over 20 different systems, uh, ranging from uh, reservations to the casino to uh, property management and, and really create that uh, uh, customer 360 uh, type of environment for them. So they land all this data on ADLS, um, what they call the the raw zone for the data. And, and then they uh, utilize Dremio as the query layer uh, to query all that data using Microsoft Power BI as well as uh, other data science applications. Uh, but then they also have a semantic zone, which is where these virtual data sets in Dremio reside. And that semantic zone is where they can create curated versions of the data uh, and users can kind of uh, interact with that data um, in, in a much more self-service way. And then the system automatically takes care of accelerating uh, access to that data. Um, and they have some data sets that are in other systems as well uh, outside of ADLS, things like MongoDB and graph databases uh, and SQL Server. And so really uh, a way for the company to, uh, to become data-driven and to really take advantage of all the data that they have about their customers, you know, the people that go on cruises and do a lot of research before the cruise and you know, provide feedback after the cruise and, and really having that single uh, point of view on, on the customer. So that uh, it, it, the way you've described the, you know, really the virtual semantic layer uh, strikes me as being you know, super important in terms of the flexibility and usability. So, um, you know, how do you handle, uh, you know, changes in the underlying data when there is a, uh, you know, if you set up, you know, you've set up some structures, or you've set up um, you know, some some reports or, you know, really, an, you know, organized some uh, some some aggregates of data for analysis um, you know how does how does your system handle uh, changes that may happen in the in, in the under, in the underlying systems yeah so there are basically two aspects to, to, to the system here one is when we think about the semantic zone um, it really consists of virtual data sets so these data sets we actually don't store any data these are entirely uh, views on top of the, the the kind of the physical data sets and other virtual data sets in the system so 
users can create these views, whether it's IT creating views to mask some of the data or to clean some of the data, or it's users creating you know these these views or virtual data sets on top of those things. Um, that creates this logical world of data, right? An entirely uh, kind of uh, virtual layer where uh, we're not creating any copies of the data uh, or storing anything. But if I'm connecting to Dremio with a BI tool like like you know Power BI or Tableau, I can directly interact with all of these virtual data sets in the semantic zone. Um, underneath the hood, then we have this layer. Um, which we call data reflections. And these are basically various materializations of data that we store on ADLS or S3 or HDFS. And these materializations are various aggregations or sorts or yeah, uh, partitioning uh, of, of various pieces of the data. Um, but those are never exposed to the end user. So if I'm a, a Tableau user connecting to Dremio or just a user, a data consumer interacting with the user interface, I will never even be aware of these data reflections, and they might change over time to optimize various workloads. Um, the data reflections themselves get updated um, uh, through kind of an incremental update process. So as more data is added to, say, my data lake, one of my data sets there, um, these uh, these reflections get updated incrementally. And, and, and basically that can happen on uh, a schedule or based on an SLA that, that the, the, the company has around that data set. That's great. That seems uh, very, you know, very straightforward and and quite uh, pretty powerful. How, you know, as as you look at, at potential use cases more broadly, um, you know, how you know how how might users think about applying Dremio in a uh, in an industrial IoT context? Are there, um, you know, do you have flexibility to be able to connect to you know different types of data sources that? Uh, you know, that, that, that may incorporate some uh, maybe traditional legacy uh, or, you know, industrial data um, or or proprietary uh, proprietary types of stores? Well, I think um, the, the way this mostly happens, and, and actually we have quite a few customers now um, using Dremio Enterprise for industrial IoT use cases. Um, and these are, these are uh, some very large... Uh, large players in, in the in the IOT space. Um, and by and large, what ends up happening is or IOT data and industrial IOT data is a lot of time series data. So we're talking about um, uh, everything from uh, robots that are painting cars. So some of the some of the large car manufacturers, the, the robots that, that are painting cars on the manufacturing line, um, and doing other operations, all that data is being collected into um, a Dremio-powered data lake. Um, another example for us is uh, a very large uh, uh, power company with uh, a lot of wind turbines, which are kind of aggregated into wind farms. Uh, and, and these systems are all generating terabytes of data a week, so very large volumes of data. But it tends to be uh, time series data, where... Um, you know, each of these each of these robots or devices is uh, producing um, various measurements um, could be temperature, could be air pressure, and things like that. And, and then the operators of these systems and environments are interested in being able to understand various trends and looking at historically what happened at specific time periods and understanding kind of various uh, cause and effect uh, type of things. And so they they basically. Um, the common thing is first to, to try to create this uh, data lake and, and leveraging cloud storage such as S3 and ADLS is, uh, is a, a common pattern there because these systems are very cheap 
uh, and, and very scalable. And so they, they kind of load the data, they collect the data from these systems uh, into, into that environment, um, and then they're able to use Dremio on top of that to query the data directly. Um, and obviously this data is often too big to put into a data warehouse, and, and also that's, that's not a very efficient um, use of, of resources. Yeah, um, yeah no, it sounds uh, super flexible. So, you know, as you look forward, could you uh, share a little bit of your, your vision for where you'd like to like to take the company? Are there, are there any uh, either partnerships or, or you know, industries or, or specific you know, types of, of customers you guys are focused on working with? You know, we're actually working across a, a very broad range of customers, which is actually one of the things that I, I really enjoy about the job. Um, you know, everything from, you know, tech companies like Microsoft and, uh, and Intel to, uh, you know, the largest financial services firms, companies like UBS, all the way to, you know, the, the German train company, right? And uh, um, we've had a lot of success in a variety of verticals. Um, financial services has, has been a very... Uh, uh, a very strong one for us, especially kind of the area, uh, actually multiple areas there, but risk analysis, for example, is, is uh, something that we see a lot. And uh, we see a lot of use cases in supply chain as well. Um, more broadly, though, you know, I think companies in all industries uh, have gotten to a point where they, they they realize that they have to be data driven, right? That's the primary asset that most companies have is their data. And, you know, if they don't take advantage of that data, then then another company will come, come and, and and do just that, right? They're competitors. Um, and when I think about the future, if you look at how our lives have changed, kind of from a consumer standpoint, our personal lives. You know, I have, uh, I actually have four kids. Um, you know, three in elementary school right now, and they talk to Google. They have this little Google Home device in their in their bedrooms. They ask Google a question, they get an answer. Um, yet I come to work and I have questions based on you know data, and it's much harder to answer that question. So our goal really as a company is to create that same experience that we now have in our personal lives, uh, to do that uh, with, with the, uh, in terms of our experience with data and, and data specifically in, in kind of in the, in the workplace, in the business. Well, I think you're, you know, you're, you're, you're really surfing on a, probably a multi-decade trend, right? And this, uh, this, this value and, and uh, the, the, the value of data and being able to turn that into, uh, into insights and into into action is you know is, is something that is probably going to last throughout our lifetimes, and I think it's um, pretty interesting too. Just in the last uh, couple of weeks, right, we've seen uh, you know Google just paid two and a half or two point six billion for Looker, and then four mm -hmm. days later, you know Salesforce paying almost sixteen billion in stock for Tableau. Uh, yeah, I think it just, you know, it, it clearly underscores there's there's economic value there, but it's also a, uh, you know, a, a real priority. I mean, how, you know, how does, how does, how does, how does that, uh, the consolidation uh, impact, you know, the, the, the way you, you, the way you look at the market? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, both of those companies are very close partners of Dremio. So a lot mm -hmm. of our customers actually use, um, Tableau and Looker, so that was, uh, uh, and, and I know those uh, the, the executives at those companies very well. Um, so that was cool to see. Um, I, I think it, it's a great proof point in terms of how strategic uh, data has become for uh, for companies, and and obviously the the buyers in these two cases uh, recognize that. Um, yeah, I think it's also 
uh, you know, both Tableau and Looker had products um, that were easy to use and, and that um, customers liked. And I think that's another thing that I think is, is really important um, and that we pay a lot of attention to as a, as a software company, um, uh, much like, like those companies, is how do you make something that was previously really, really hard, how do you make that easy? Right? And I think that uh, ends up driving a lot of adoption and creating a lot of value. Well, I, I think you're I think you're definitely on to something there. I, the, uh, the the old saying about data warehousing, I think this goes back around 25 years, was that it was the 2250 rule that projects would take, you know, two years, cost two million dollars, and have a 50 percent chance of success. That <laughs> that's that's a that's a long way in the rearview mirror. So I think it's it's great to see, uh, you know, the the, the a, a lot more ease of use. I mean, just as the the data problems become more complex, right? That as long as the tools can make it a little, uh, make it easier, it's it's um, uh, it's it's definitely a positive development. So, um, one one final question would be whether you might have any uh, you know for folks that are interested in getting a bit more information about uh, about the work you guys are doing, and and if if you also have any recommendations you might be able to share with our uh, with our audience. Sure. You know, I think there's a lot of information uh, on on the Dremio website. So just uh, Google for uh, Dremio and, and you'll find that. Um, we've made it really easy now to actually try it out. There's literally a, a, a deploy button at the top right of the website. You can start it up on Azure or AWS with almost zero effort. So um, that should make things, uh, things really easy. And there's a lot of videos and tutorials there. So I'd recommend that. I think for people that are interested in data science, um, and, and uh, kind of open source, um, uh, check out the Apache Arrow project. That's something that we started and now has uh, uh, over 4 million downloads a month. Um, and wow. so it's really more about kind of data science and accelerating the speed of analytics. Um, and then if you're interested in, you know, how to how to build companies and, and uh, uh, you know, startups, uh, I think I've, I recently read a great book called The Hard Thing About uh, Hard Things from Ben Horowitz, which I really enjoyed. So I, I'd recommend that. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a terrific recommendation, and I hear he's got another one that's uh, I, I don't know if it's out or it's it's almost on the way, uh, uh, almost out. But he certainly has the uh, he's got the scars to prove it, so, to, yes. to prove his success. He earned his success. There's no doubt. So anyway, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you um, the, again. We've been speaking with Tomer Sharon, who's co-founder and CEO of Dremio. This has been uh, Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta with another episode of our Momenta podcast. And uh, Tomer, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta Partners with an episode of our Digital Leaders series. Please check our website at momenta.partners for archived versions of prior podcasts and webinars as well as resources to help with your digitization journey. 